You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Matt Tebby. I'm Ben Sternke. And we are two of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership. We are starting a series today on what we call our missional theology axioms. Ben, mm-hmm. what is an axiom? Uh, an axiom is a short, pithy statement that tries to capture... I'm just making this up. But it's a short, pithy statement, I think, that tries to capture an idea and allows it to be uh, portable. So you can kind of carry it around with you. It's short enough that you can quickly memorize it uh, and hopefully it uh, allows you access to a reality uh, that you want to be able to access whenever you need to. Like, many hands make quick work. Yeah. Is that an that's axiom? An a- that's an axiom. I would say so. Can you think of other axioms from um, our culture? Waste not, want not. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, I grew up... Mm-hmm. I listen to my parents. Yeah, yeah, those are those are good ones. These are like the cultural nursery rhymes, if you will, that are condensed into just a single phrase. Right, right. They try to capture some kind of wisdom. A bird in the hand is, is worth, worth two, two in, in the, the bush. bush. Right, which is uh, I had to look that one up. I remember when I was I was like, what is that? What what in the world does that mean? But of course, we know what it means. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe people don't know what it means. What does it mean, Ben? Well, my understanding is that what you it's it's even if you have the thing that you have is worth way more than the thing you could get, even if the thing you could get is twice as good as the thing you already have. Okay. 
better to have something than to just hope that you can get something. Okay. That Makes sense. I think that's what that means. So they, they, they distill wisdom, yeah. like cultural wisdom, into a single phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm yep. sure listeners can think of other axioms maybe you grew up with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking a friend of mine, his family, their family motto is sack up, <laughs> which basically sack means up. sack up. It, uh, it basically means like tough, tough, tough. It's life is tough. So, uh, you know, get ready, sack get ready up. to go. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. we, we have some axioms uh, at Gravity Leadership that help us communicate um, what we call missional theology, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially, uh, we define that as the way that Jesus seemed to interact with and engage his world. Another way to say that is the assumptions that Jesus seemed to live with as sort of the foundation of his worldview or, or constructs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's missional because uh, the re, that that word there being in there um, is because the the whole thing about Jesus is that he was sent from the Father, right, uh, to do the Father's will. And so there's a sense of the theology that we want to cultivate or or glean from the life of Jesus is something that is missional in its nature. In that God sent Jesus to do something to accomplish something. There was a there was a mission there, and then that. That mission is the same mission that the church has, because Jesus and the Father has sent the Holy Spirit, and now we are on mission with God as well. Correct. So the Christian world, the Christian church already has axioms, like we already, we grow up with axioms, we sort of say these pithy phrases that carry latent or inherent theology that maybe we haven't even reflected on. And the one that I'm thinking of, maybe you can think of some, the one I'm thinking of right now is... um, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Yeah. That would be an axiom. Right. Right? Right. Uh, Can you think of others? I can think of profoundly unhelpful ones. (laughs) Let's let's have... Maybe we should start with some unhelpful ones. Yeah, like a sub-Christian axiom uh, would be, God helps those who help themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, this could be even anti-Christian. It's, yep. it's really not in the Bible. It's in Matthew but, 29, I think. <laughs> but people think it is, you know? Um, but that's an axiom that that communicates something, uh, you know, that carries wisdom. It does something, you know, as you, as, you, uh, as you profess it. Right. So axioms sort of open a world to us, and they lay, they lay possibilities, but also demands on us to respond to them, right? Right. And so we've... Uh, what we've done is we've sort of condensed their, uh, condensed the axioms that we train people in and we talk about a lot that inform our local church and our mm-hmm. translocal community here at Gravity. We've condensed them down to six. Six isn't a typical number. Usually you pick um, 10 or 12 or 40 or, right, or three. Like yeah, those are the, those I mean, are the numbers people like, yeah. but we decided to do six. Uh, th- we just stopped after we, I mean, there's more that we could do, but then... I don't know. We tried to condense them a little bit. I think we ran out of time, and we're like, let's just <laughs> stop like, well, here. It's yes. Time, it's time for lunch. <laughs> time for lunch. So I guess it's six. So we're going to talk about the first one today, uh, and then in subsequent podcasts, we'll discuss the rest of them. Yes. So uh, the first axiom, Ben, I'm going to name it, and then I'd love for you to give us like a 30-second introduction, and then I think we can do some storytelling and some mm. uh, dialogue about it. Okay. The first axiom is God is always present and at work. God is always present and at work. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, it's hard to even introduce it because it feels so obvious. It feels so uh, self-evident. I mean, I don't know of a Christian who would say, really? I don't, you know, like, like on its face, Christians normally wouldn't say, I don't believe you. Or that's wrong, right? Um, but Are you saying that we hold this truth to be self-evident? I think we do. I think we do. Um, but the implications, I think, are where we begin to uh, we we begin to get into uh, kind of where this axiom hits uh, hits us, uh, because uh, God is always present and at work means that, for example, uh, when I encounter when I encounter hardship, that is an evidence that God's not at work. It's actually the place where I can meet God because He's always present and He's always at work. Um, so uh, th- that axiom kind of informs everything. And we were saying earlier, it- it's even a little bit more than an axiom. It's it's something that um, reorients our it reorients our vision of what is wrong with the world and uh, what God is doing about that. Yes. Yeah, so. Right? Yeah, so the traditional vision of what's wrong with the world. What is the problem that Jesus comes to solve? Um, I, I was uh, when I became a Christian in college and responded to the gospel. the The problem, as I heard it and I understood it, was my my sin separates me from God, and the problem is I can't pay for or make up for my sin. So God had to act on my sin, right? And the primary way that God acted was to take my punishment for my sin so that God's God's holiness, God's wrath could be uh, appeased or satisfied, and mm-hmm. now God could enter back into relationship with me, right? And I remember um, a friend of mine in college drawing the, the bridge illustration, mm-hmm. right? This is from Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, Right, and that's on one side of the chasm, and the other side of the chasm is the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, and the cross spans that chasm, enables me to get from the death on the one side to the eternal life on the other. Yes. So, what do you are you saying that that that's not the problem, Ben? Are you telling me that's not it's, the problem? It's, pro- it's probably uh, that's one way to articulate it. But here, here's how that ends up. So, I I can remember uh, when I was um, I was in my twenties. Uh, years ago. Um, and, you know, if I became conscious of sin in my life, if I, uh, if I felt convicted of sin, here's what, here's what that theology does, is I immediately felt like I had to sort of get my life together so I could come groveling back to God and just see if He would accept me again, right? Because I was separated from Him in my sin, and so I had to sort of fix myself up I mean, yes, God took care of it on the cross, but, you know, I'm still experiencing this sin, and so my, my theology is, this separates me from God, and so God has removed himself from me, and so I've got I've to kind of gird up my loins and grovel and try to get back into his good graces uh, because I've sinned, because I have this, this sin in my life. Yes. And so it's, you know, that there's, a, there's a sense in which I have offended his holiness— and I have to figure out a way to come back to him, uh, you know, promising not to offend his holiness anymore or something like that, right? Right, so that right. you know the veracity of your repentance by how awful you feel. Right, yeah. 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 So one of the things that we want to do here with this axiom is to say, uh, yes, 
the the major the the fundamental problem with our relationship with God uh, isn't isn't God's inability or incapacity to love us, but mm. it's it's our separation from Him. Yes, and so we see this in the garden, right? So scholars will tell tell us that that one of the things uh, I'm thinking of John Walton here in some of his recent writings tells us that the the whole creation story is a is about God creating a temple to dwell in out of mm-hmm. the cosmos right right and the garden of eden then becomes the holy of holies inside of which humans and god live together yes. dwell together right the fundamental issue then when when adam uh, and eve decide to not uh, live into the boundaries that God's created around life and death, around around right. knowledge and wisdom. Not trusting uh, Him, right? When yeah. they decide to become like God without God, by mm-hmm. by by grasping Godness, knowledge of good and evil, God comes to them with a gavel and a ruler, shaking it at them, saying, "What have you done?" Mm-hmm. You have offended my honor. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, he, he comes with a question. A it's a question of relationship, and it's a question of distance mm-hmm. and abandonment. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. And it, and it, and tellingly, God comes looking for and, them, and Adam and Eve have hidden themselves. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? I was taught that God can't look upon sin. That that God can't be in the presence of sinners. But here in the first story of Scripture that is archetypal uh, for all of sin and all of humanity, that God actually plunges back into the place where sin happens and goes hunting for mm-hmm. sinners. Yeah. Rather than hiding his face from sinners. Yeah. Yeah. And asking him, where, where are you? And then once he finds them, he begins the work, right? He begins the work of, of bringing them back into fellowship into union. Yeah, so it's not it's not God that it's not God that can't be in the presence of sin. It's humans who hide in their shame and sin and God yes. who comes seeking them, right? Yes. So you've got this story about sin is uh, about the presence of God being compromised. Yeah. Right between humans and humans and God. And then we see the entire story of the Old Testament. You could tell that story in a way that's about God creating a people in whom his presence could dwell. Yes. God helping uh, a group of people understand how to be present to him with him. Then we see Emmanuel, God with us, coming. You have this beautiful picture. I was reading a, um, a book today, and it, and it pointed out this, this comment about how Matthew's gospel shows Jesus as the new Moses. So, uh, you know, Matthew gives the Sermon on the Mount instead of the Ten Commandments, and he's reinterpreting the, Jesus is reinterpreting the Ten Commandments, and, 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 um, and, and Jesus runs away from a, a, a tyrannical leader, just like Moses does, and he mm-hmm. hides in Egypt, like, you know, how Moses gets put in a basket in Egypt, and all, this right. kind of, all these connections. Well, the end of Moses' life, uh, he's pointing to the promised land, and he's saying, go there. I can't go with you, but you're going to go there. And when you go there, yeah. uh, when, you, when you meet the people there, like, drive the Gentiles out. Mm-hmm. And, how, and then in Jesus, in Matthew 28, is saying, uh, go, but I'm going with you, yeah. And you're not driving them out, you're discipling them and teaching them to yeah. obey all I've commanded you. You're calling them in. You're calling them in, not driving them out. And so, yeah. but, but it's, what's, what's, what's incredible is that the commission, the missional commission of the church is a with Jesus yes. calling people in 
to be connected to him and you as well. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then you've got, you know, Revelation 21. This is biblical theology in uh, 96 seconds. <laughs> but you have Revelation 21 yeah. where, you know, the the sort of the crowning statement about the new Jerusalem is yes. the dwelling of God is now with man. Right. There's a finality to it. Like now the dwelling of, like, yes. we did it. it. It's accomplished. Yes. And you have this picture of the, the gates of Jerusalem, the, the doors or the gates are never shut. And you, mm. you have pictures of people streaming in. So there's a sense in which we believe that Jesus lived with this abiding reality. And we could just quote scripture and verse here for 20 minutes sure. that God was present with him and working in and with and through him. Uh, but but this axiom also does is it reorients us in the story a little more faithfully than maybe the story we inherited, which is yeah. the 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 problem Jesus solves is disconnection, broken yeah. covenant, a lack of relationship, isolation, yeah. abandonment, betrayal, and he reconnects us in the triune life yeah. so that we can live as though God is always present and at yeah. work now, because that is the kind of life we'll be living for eternity. Yeah. So the so uh, an analogy here, because I think people hear this, God is always present and at work, and they just think there's a doctrine of God's omnipotence. Or, uh, sorry, his om... Um, what is it? Omnipresence? <laughs> omnipresence, yeah. Couldn't think of the word. But yeah, his omnipresence, right? And you think, well, yeah, we believe that. We believe that God is always, always present. But just like two people can be, you know, sitting in a room not present to each other. They're just both looking at their phones, right? Or they're having a half-hearted, you know, date night. I see, <laughs> you know, you go out to a restaurant, you watch a couple sitting across from each other, just they're both on their phones. Are they present to each other? I mean, yeah, they're both sitting there. They're only a few feet apart, but are they present to each other? And you'd have to say no. And I think this axiom gets at something similar to say, yes, we affirm God's omnipresence, but what we're talking about, that God is always present and at work, means that more of that that idea that we're present to one another, that I can become present to God's presence at any time because His presence is always present to me. Yes. It's not just an abstract concept that that sort of implies something about God's not a amazingness. Meta, not a metaphysical principle. Right. It's it's a it's a real personal connection that's always possible. That's always possible. Yes. For us. Yeah. And so there's a settled connectivity to God that then changes the way that I live moment yes. by moment yes. in my in my situations, my relationships, and mm-hmm. my responsibilities. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I think some of the artifacts uh, of our—so as we say this, most people just nod in agreement. I, I, some people are like, yeah, of course, why, why do you even mention this? Mm-hmm. Um, very few people argue with this axiom. Uh, <laughs> if you do, we'd love to hear that. Go ahead and email those emails to Ben at ben at gravityleadership.com. <laughs> but, um, but, but most people are like, yeah, duh. But we have so many, um, I call them artifacts, just phrases or concepts or mm. bits and parts of our, of our imagination that are intention or conflict with this. Yeah. Right? We talk about yeah. how God shows up. Right? Right. We talk about um, we talk about we, we we live as though, anxiously though, if we don't get X, Y, and Z, we can't we can't enjoy the the yeah. presence or the goodness of God. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a couple artifacts. I mean, just to try to make it uh, tangible, concrete, um, a couple artifacts. I um uh, the, the first ministry thing that I had, the first ministry gig that I had was a, as, as, as a worship leader. And I can remember sort of feeling the pressure to put together a worship set of songs 
that uh, would create the right kind of atmosphere so that God would show up. Like, that was how we thought about it, right? That there was a sense in which there's a, there's a technique or there's some kind of emotional, uh, you know, achievement that we can make together as a community that would convince God to show up. That, that would sort of create the environment that God wants to inhabit. Uh, can I just interrupt you? When I hear you say emotional achievement, I, mm-hmm. I get really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something I can be good at. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and another, uh, another artifact that I thought of is when I, I remember when I was learning to pay attention to God's presence in, in, these, in these moments, basically... Um, well, I was I was planting a church at the time, and I'd I'd gotten an email uh, from somebody who was a little bit disgruntled about some recent changes that we had made. Um, and I remember getting the email, and you know I've gotten tons of these emails um, that, that before that kind of thing. But I I remember getting this email and feeling this pit of anxiety just start in my stomach, like oh shoot, here we go, and recognizing that okay, my my typical way of dealing with this stuff is, number one, ignore it and work on something else for a while because, you know, uh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Number two, uh, go through, figure out uh, why this guy's wrong um, and, what I, and what I can do to counter his arguments about, here's why we're doing what we're doing and, and you need to just, you know, shape up. Or three, maybe, uh, maybe sort of try to appease him in some way. Like, okay, well, you know, at least th- this is going okay, right? You know, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But learning, if God is always present and at work, then I'm learning in that moment to say, okay, God is present and at work in me, in my anxiety, that this is something for me to pay attention to. There's a reason I feel anxious about this. God is trying to get my attention here in, in a way, yes. and that I can actually meet God. I don't have to take care of my anxiety so I can keep living my Christian life. I can meet God in my anxiety. He, has, he, he wants to be present with me in it and teach me something and show me something and guide me and lead me and disciple me. Yeah, so this axiom points us, uh, it, it points us into our real life so that... We presume. I mean, we we presume and just already assume that God's at work during my commute, listening to K Love, and at the Acquire the Fire conference, and the during quiet my quiet time. time. Yeah. yeah, but what we don't realize, or maybe we forget, or we need actually need a new imagination for, is that God's at work even in the places that feel like obstacles right. to my happiness. Yes, and maybe even most particularly there. Yep. You know, again, we could spend uh, weeks going through the scriptures about how it's the places where Biblical uh, characters are most distraught, most mm-hmm. anxious, most afraid, most angry, is where God breaks through, yeah. and, and God's actively at work there. Yep. So there's so much more to say about this, right? Yeah. There's God being present at work, and then there's moments where God becomes more present to us. And how do, yeah. we, how do we talk about that, right? right. So how yeah. do we talk about the fact that God's always present at work, and, but sometimes, sometimes we, live, we leave Trophimus sick in Miletus, and sometimes when the person who dies falling asleep to our sermon, we touch them and they're healed. You know right. what I mean? So there's some punctiliar specific places where God's more present and more powerful, but that doesn't mean he's, uh, that doesn't mean he's gone the other times. So right. part, part, we'll just maybe wrap this up by saying part of what we are, are learning to do is train in our awareness and perception yeah. of God's activity. Yes, and, and learning how to just tend and pay attention, being awake and aware, present, open. Like, this is what the Scripture 
talks about being sober-minded and and fully awake. Yeah. Right. So, a, being learning how to live settled in the conviction of God's presence and tending to these moments, detecting them increasingly in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, for me, I'll just say this, and uh, as we close, it's much easier for me to detect how God's at work in your life, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> In I your know. hard places, right? I know. Yeah, it's, sure. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm much more in tune with those places that God should be at work in your life, and you mm-hmm. need to know that. Right. Then I'm, then I maybe am in perceiving my own. Right. Yeah. Right. Or my kids, or my yeah. wife. And and likewise, that's not just your problem. You know what I mean? Like yes. <laughs> yeah. We all we've all got this. thing. We've all got so, this thing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's that's what we uh, that's what we do. That's how we uh, train in discipleship at Gravity Leadership. That's what we're doing in our local church, the table. Yeah. And this axiom: God is always present and at work. Reorients us in the story mm-hmm. that that we are becoming the kinds of people for whom eternal life will feel like a good thing. Like yeah. like God's presence will be something that we're increasingly waking up to and opening up to yeah. so that an eternity of that will experience it as heaven and not hell. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot we could say there too. Yes. But, but yeah, that's that 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 axiom kind of gets at I think the heart of what we mean when we say missional theology. Uh, and it's the heart of the training that we do. Uh, in Gravity Leadership Academy yes. and, and everything else that we do. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a really important piece of good news for us. Yes, so we don't make things happen. We don't get God to show up. We don't create missional activity by our good ideas, but we become discerning, tending, cultivating people who can perceive the grace of God in us, around us, among us, mm-hmm. and participate with it right there. Yes. So if that sounds like the kinds of things you're interested in, love to have you join our community. You can sign up. For our email list, we send out emails with resources, free resources every week, including articles as well. You can check out the resources we have available for free on gravityleadership.com's website. We'll be podcasting through these axioms as we go here over the next several weeks and months, so look forward to having you join us then. Okay, see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.